Okay. Okay. All right. I think that's everything. I did not watch a lot this week. That's okay. Welcome, everyone, to Excitement Incorporated. I'm Daniel. I'm Rich. This is a media, pop media-oriented podcast about all kinds of media, being video games, television, and movies in that exact, not opposite, exactly order. I wasn't doing anything. Yes, you were chewing on your microphone. <laughs> I, I, was, I wasn't doing anything. Just so everyone knows, he was just he was just chewing on his microphone. Um, if you weren't watching the video, um, you know, he was, it was, I mean, maybe, I don't know if they heard it. It was just funny. Anyways, it caught me off guard. Anyways, uh, go to patreon.com slash excitement inc. If you want early access, a verbal shout out, Adam Taylor, or to, uh, be a mind tenant, which is living rent free in our heads. Well, we get that dollar from you a month. And I guess rent's a dollar a month then. Yeah. In our minds. In our minds. When you think about it, it's actually kind of expensive mind rent. That is. When you know, but we're in the state of Colorado, so that makes sense. Yeah. What did you watch this week? I went to the theater last weekend. Oh, you did? Yep. And I went and saw a movie called Nightmare Alley. Oh, Nightmare. That's the new Guillermo del Toro movie. It is. Is it? What did you think of that? It was not what I was expecting. It wasn't? It was not. Were you well? I mean, were you expecting Brad Cooper? I I was expecting Bradley Cooper. Okay, okay, okay. But I was expecting a. I was expecting a period piece that um, felt had kind of a noir feeling to it, almost okay. like a, like a, detective mystery type. Because that's what I got from the previews, was that was the general feel going into it was that it was just kind of this, noir movie. It was not that. It was not that at all. And going into it with that mindset made me leave that theater going, oh, well, that was not very good. But then I realized that's where my expectations were. So then I reevaluated and I was like, you know what? If I turn off my expectations, that was a pretty good movie. Okay. Okay. Sure. So. In the way that things can catch you off if you want them to be a certain way. Right. Got it. Okay. Right. Like, you know, when you're expecting to take a bite of a potato wedge and you take this huge bite thinking it's going to be a potato wedge and it turns out to be a jalapeno popper. And from that point on, you cannot stand jalapeno poppers for the life of you because you were expecting a delicious spiced potato wedge and it just did not fucking happen for you. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So, you know, note for everybody, I hate jalapeno poppers. Oh, really? <laughs> Do you? Yes, because I ate a jalapeno popper when I was expecting a nice spiced potato wedge. That's really off-putting. It was really off-putting. That makes me want to make you jalapeno poppers. Like really good, like bacon wrap. It's not going to happen. With chorizo. It's not going to happen. I'm not going <laughs> to dig it. Did you try a bite of one? I already did, but I was expecting a fucking potato <laughs> wedge, and it ruined it for me. Did you eat a bite of my... Well, it's, okay, so Nightmare Alley. Is, <laughs> Nightmare is Alley. It, like, as it, as it rates compared to, you know, other Guillermo del Toro, like... Well... Because his last movie was Shape of Water, I do believe. Now, Christy hated Shape of Water, and I didn't see it. Okay. All right, so, so you can't I'm, compare to that. I uh, can't compare to that. Crimson Peak. It was probably along those lines, yeah. yeah, it, yeah, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't near that it was very art style. Was it very Guillermo in nature, the movie? I would say so, yeah. Okay. Um, How scary was it? It was not really that scary. It was more of a... It was more of a cautionary tale. It really, really reminded me of um, that season of American Horror Story, The Freak Show. Because it took place where a guy like 
hops on a train and hops off at a carnival and joins the carnival as a mentalist. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so he learns all these skills as a mentalist and then decides to take it mainstream. So he's like performing in clubs and stuff as a mentalist. Okay. And then he... Bradley Cooper's? Yes. Okay. So that's mild, mild, mild spoilers. This is more just kind of the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. Is that he he just kind of is a nobody that encounters a circus. And he joins the circus and he's like, you know, just kind of doing odd jobs, helping with the breakdown mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And then he eventually gets in good with the um, magician and starts learning his tricks. And so he learns his tricks as a mentalist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because back in the day, the two went hand in hand. Is it like if Guillermo del Toro did the prestige? No, it's more like if Guillermo del Toro did um, the last half of Freak Show of American Horror Story. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I can get behind that. No, that sounds fun. Yeah. I, I, I saw the reviews, you know, like were good about it, but yeah. I honestly have had no idea what the movie was about up till this point. But in defense of your expectation going into it, I, from the previews, would have suspected it was a noir of some kind. Right. Yeah. So, well, it was definitely a period piece mm-hmm. because this is gearing up to World War II. That is just ancillary. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about us eventually getting into the war that has anything to do with this movie other than time period. Okay. That's it. Gotcha. It's all about this mentalist and how he rises to fame as a mentalist doing these things. And then he is hired for a job with a very, very dangerous man. And the dangerous man brings his psychiatrist or psychologist to one of the shows to test and see if this guy legitimately has powers or if he's just a flim-flam man. And Bradley Cooper's character is so good at mentalism that he fools the psychologist. So she she initially just rolls. She's like, okay, he's the real deal, mm-hmm. and vouches mm-hmm. for him. Is it, okay, wow. So it's uh, is it like worth watching in the theater? Is it go to a theater watch it? Is it? Wait I would say I, I would say you could do either. Really. Unless you're it's, it's like not, a Guillermo del Toro freak, you right. see if, it. But if you absolutely cannot wait to see Guillermo's next movie, go to the theater and see it. Yeah, it's not wasted money. If if you just want to see it eventually. You can, it's not a theater necessary experience. Okay, okay. No, that makes sense. There's nothing about the big screen or the group viewing that really adds anything to the movie. Right. So you can see it just as it is. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't see Shape of Water. Um, I wanted to. I really, really wanted to. My wife saw it without me. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. It's not a Christie movie. And so <laughs> it's just not. Whenever I'm like, ooh, I would like to see Shape of Water, she's like, I'm not watching that again. That was fucking horrible. It's not happening. So it's one of those things where I have to find the time to watch it without her. You know, I would love to talk about uh, uh, Shape of Water with you. <laughs> not on Excitement Inc., on no. When Daniel Marriage, <laughs> just purely that, like, it's. It sounds it's, like the whole reason that, from, from what Christie explained to me, it sounds like the reason 
for um Oh, what's his name? Oh, Churchill's quote. I don't drink water. Fish fucking it. Yes. No, that's <laughs> entirely what it is. Because they do. Yes. Um, well, I mean, that's kind of the weird thing. Is he a fish? He drink, he, no, he breathes underwater and he's a fish. Listen, it's just literally like the fever pipe dream of if it's – I really imagine like Guillermo del Toro on the set of one of his Hellboy movies like thinking just literally just the most obscure fucking thought. He got no sleep last night. He's leaning on his arm on his director's chair looking at the monitor while they're doing makeup for Abe. Like he's watching like a, a lady do the makeup for Abe and he just thinks to himself, what if Abe fucks? Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's, that was like, that is the shape of water. <laughs> that was the general impression I got from it was that it was an Abe Sapien uh, prequel story. Yeah. Like this yeah. is how he ended up in the uh, Bureau. <laughs> it's a pretty cool story too <laughs> yeah it's like you know yeah. his girlfriend was in tight with this and was like you know what i've got a guy for you let me bring him in yeah. it's my ex-boyfriend we used to fuck <laughs> <laughs> he knows things he knows shit because we used to fuck yeah yeah, yeah. you just yeah. gotta teach him english and we're good to go yep Give feed him rotten eggs yep maybe it's just oh man i love hellboy yes uh, it, what else, what else did you, did you watch uh the wife and i started the misfits the miss I told you to watch that. Yep. And we uh, did and we we, we got you guys. We convinced you guys. Three episodes. Yeah. So I have For. yet to see Oh, I I forget his name in the show, but I've yet to see Klaus's power. Yes. If he gets one. Nathan is his name. So Nathan. for those of you who don't know Misfits, uh, Misfits is a uh, E4 drama. E4 is a British channel that plays um shows and I'm going to bring up E4 later actually in this uh, uh conversation, but one of the really popular shows on E4, they had some basically like teen adult dramas. Um, for those of you who don't know, one of them is what is Misfits, which you should go watch. Yes. Um, for the reason that it's uh, it's actual Misfits. It's these kids are Misfits, and it's a normal just teen comedy drama until there is a hailstorm and they get superpowers. Yes. And have <laughs> to live doing their superpowers. What did yes. you think? What did you I, think of those first three? I'm digging so, it so far. Yeah, you don't. I want to go back to it. I'm ready to go back to it i really want to keep watching it but um we jumped out for some reason and yeah. we haven't jumped back yet but she wants to so yeah. that's a good thing she wants to keep going on it that's a good thing um i kind of like what the reflection of the powers of the on the people yes because they're inward reflections almost yes so like the one girl is like can now read minds and whereas she was like super judgy now she sees how everybody else is judging her yes um the other girl can just drive the opposite sex mad with desire by touching them make them act outside of their uh yeah she's like rogue except instead of stealing their power she steals yeah. their dicks yeah she steals their sex drive mm -hmm, essentially mm-hmm mm -hmm. Being like, go overkill on me here. Let's go. She gets all the attention she wants as a popular girl. Yep. Doing that. Yeah. Uh, That's and it's just. And yeah. we told you to watch this show because of the the sheer like star power in it that a lot of people mm -hmm. don't talk about. For instance, Robert Sheehan. Yeah. This is where we discovered discovered Robert Sheehan before Umbrella Chronicles because he plays okay. Klaus in, in the Umbrella Academy, but we saw him first in Misfits um, quite a bit ago. Yeah. We were looking for something to watch after we finished another show called Skins. Okay. 
And um, we found Misfits, which we ended up liking so much more than Skins. Skins is all right, but like it's it's not nearly as good as the Misfits, and it's probably because of Robert Sheehan. Okay, <laughs> being Robert Sheehan, so. Yep. There was a lot of Game of Thrones actors in this. There are a lot of Game of Thrones actors in like this. Like a shit ton of them. Like, Ro- like Robert Sheehan's mom is you, Lady Stark. Yes. And I was just like, she's a bitch no matter where she is as a mother. Yep, basically, yeah. Uh, good stuff. Who else? Who else is in there? Uh, Ramsey. Yes. Ramsey e- Bolton. Ewan Rion. Rion? Rion? Oh, Welsh pronunciation. Ewan? Ewan. Oh, it's Ewan. Ewan? I have no idea how to pronounce Welsh. Yeah, I-W-A-N. I think it's Ewan, but either way, Ewan. However however it happens. We need to work on our pronunciation when it comes to these things. But um, what is it like seeing him in this show? What is it like seeing Ramsey fucking Snow being like literally the worst person in fucking Westeros, the worst person in Game of Thrones, which is saying something because if you're if you're like a bad person in Game of Thrones, you're basically you know hated. But to say he's the worst character is easy, right? It's well, it's kind of a testament to some of these actors mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. when you think of them, do you think of them as their most popular character or their most well known character, or do you think of them as their range of work? Yeah. Like is the ca- like that's big time the case with me with uh, Lena Headey that played oh, yeah, yeah, Cersei yeah. Lannister. I mean, I don't. I see her as the queen of the Spartans, and then the the mom in the first Purge, and you know, I see the range of her work, and I it's difficult for me to hate her. It's real easy for me to hate Cersei Lannister, exactly. Yeah, but it's difficult for me to hate her because it's like, and I actually told her that when I met her at a Comic Con. Because I was like, it, it's a testament to how good you are at your craft by how much I love you as the queen of the Spartans and how much I hate you as the queen of Westeros. Absolutely, yeah. And she was like, yeah, that, thank you. That's one of the best compliments I could get. And when you compare Ramsey Snow to Simon in Misfits. Oh, yeah. It's, they're polar opposites. They're polar opposites. Which yeah, is the fun part. Yeah. So I don't even, I, I mean, I completely forgot that he was Ramsey Bolton after like, the first episode of the yes, show because he's shy yeah. and he's quiet he's shy he's quiet and he's invisible he is definitely which definitely outlines the way he feels <laughs> in real life which is like he's not seen yes yeah so, so it's very poetic in additional to in addition to also just being funny in general so right seeing this group of kids that they just kind of hate each other yeah you know what i mean but it's it is cool because as they kind of keep going through the show they will begin to kind of um it's kind of it's nice its own avenger story because they don't get along right now they kind of are tired of each other they don't really talk to each other a whole lot but what's really cool is you get a little bit further into the seasons they begin to really team up and really be on each other's team Okay. And then that's what makes for the feel good moments that kind of keep you there. Okay. And then eventually they'll fight their first supervillain. I think they already have. Nope. <laughs> no? Nope. The teacher is not the villain. The teacher just went crazy. I mean the teacher went Hulk, sure. Yeah. But the teacher no. just went full rage goblin. No. Um the villain, uh, his superpower is what he likes to call lactokinesis. Oh no. <laughs> Okay. I'm so, going to leave it right, uh, right fucking there. <laughs> you know what? I cannot wait to see 
the cheese manipulator. And I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> he Thanoses them. Oh, no. <laughs> so Misfits, totally worth watching. And I'm glad you guys like hopped awesome. on that because we kind of knew from outside. I was like, wait a minute. This is like. I feel like I might have talked about it once or twice, but then never really got the opportunity to sell you on it in the way that yeah. I'm like, hey, Klaus from Umbrella Academy, except he's kind of like the main character and he's hilarious. And then, you know, his Bono yeah. impression. Did you did they <laughs> did they start sorting the stuff? For, yes. For, yes. Yeah. So that's where we left off. When, I think. He, when he when they're sorting through the pile of stuff, um, yeah. they get something for like donations. They have to sort through them. Yeah. And then they're having a, a serious conversation in the, the office with the probation worker. And then he rolls by on roller skates with goggles and a broom going. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> oh, which yeah. means you saw episode two with Ruthie. Yes, I did. That's quite the, and I can't say, you know, because we want to turn people onto these shows and you guys should definitely, it's on Hulu, right? It's on Hulu. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was, I was excited because I was like, Hey, this show is showing boobs. Nice. Yes. I mean, that's the thing with British drama. You're going to see a lot of boobs. Right. They don't. That's they don't shy away from it. No, they don't. In Europe, you can show boobs boobs on primetime television. No problem. Yeah. So they don't care about that shit in Europe. Um, They do have an issue with gun violence, though. You will not see near the gun violence on British TV that you will on American TV. That actually makes more sense when I think about skins. So um, ultimately coming back around to it, if you like Klaus and Umbrella academy you have to watch misfits because he's funnier oh yeah robert sheehan is funnier in misfits yes he's he's <sighs> it's a good it's a good time i'm enjoying it quite a bit but we jumped out of that to watch a show called in the dark in the dark in the dark what the fuck's that in the dark is a show about a uh, blind girl okay who was living in chicago and she is not the best person She'll, like, use her blindness to cut ahead of the line. She uh, prefers Plan B as her chosen method of birth control. Uh, she has tons of one-night stands and just kind of, like, once she's done with guys, she's done with them and everything. And uh, in the first episode, her best friend, a guy who, like, essentially saved her life in an alley, she finds her best friend's body in an alley. Whoa. And so she and this is like one of four people that she genuinely cares about. So she becomes obsessed with finding him, his body, what happened to him, because she she feels his body in the alley. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then when she contacts the police and brings them back there, he's gone. He's not there. And so they are like, are you sure that he died? And she's like, I'm sure I felt him. What, cha- what, cha- what channel is this? I need, I'm writing this down right now. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And so she's explaining this to the police and they were like, yeah, but are you sure? Because, I mean, there's no body here. You can't see. Oh, my God. You're kind of you're kind of a no. shitty person anyway. Wow. And so she's like, OK, I'm not going to get any help. I've got to find out what happened on my own. And it's if Nancy Drew was blind. Um, it's more like if and uh, there was more murder. Oh, what what would be a comparable? Law and order can't see you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> nice. Oh no, she is not procedural at all. This is which this a lot is, of shows are figuring out if they no. want to, you know, be relevant, and they're not on CBS, ABC, or any of those that they can't be procedural. 
Right. People ain't really watching that shit no more. Yeah. So, well, the elderly are, you know, hence the popularity of CSI. You're you're not wrong. It's still out there. Yeah. There's a reason the you know the the main character they hire for it is Ted fucking Danson. Yeah. If you go on any if you go on any cable channel, they will have a four hour block of CSI somewhere, because that always makes the elderly stop and watch, and they are the <laughs> only ones left with fucking cable and not streaming. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Because I mean, my wife is actually traumatized by that now. We were when she was staying in the hospital, we were. Uh, in a room next to another lady who just did not turn her TV off and had it on full blast. Mm -hmm. And so all we're hearing, all my wife was hearing all night was law and order. So she's trying to sleep and hears, boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, boom. And she's starting to, she's starting to drift off. Boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, to the point where I was like, are you are you okay? I'll, you know, I was like, do you need anything from home? And she's Smooth like, clarinet. Oh, I think I'll be okay. And I'm like, okay. And I show up the next morning and she looks like she has not slept a wink. And she is like, turn off that bitch's TV. Please turn off that bitch's TV. And now if I'm flipping through channels and law and order comes up, she's like, turn it, turn it now, turn it now oh, before no. I, cause she'll see the red law and the blue order lettering. And she'll be like, turn it. Turn it right now. Do not let me hear that. It's it's rough. It's a bad scene. But yeah. I highly suggest in the dark. First season was spectacular. Oh, there's more than one season? Yeah, there's like three seasons. Oh. We're midway through season two. How many friends does she have? I think she's up to like four now. Okay. <laughs> but well, like she's got multiple seasons. Well, no, she's gonna have a lot of friends. The to one, die. No, the the one that she's been like finding out. At the end of the first season, there's a reveal that is like, oh, holy shit. And then it goes off on that tangent for season two. I'm down. I'm here for it. It gets fucking crazy. I'm here for it. What else? What else did you watch? Um, The most pain in the ass instruction manual for a goddamn Lego set ever. Pretty much that's it. You watched it? Well, that's all I was. All I was doing pretty much if I was not, you know, and we watched Book of Boba Fett and and Dexter, which are both getting very good, which Book of Boba Fett, I kind of felt like they needed to kind of step it up with some, you know, old school Star Wars things in it. And they did, which we can't even just slightly mention because that's just, you know, spoilers, you know, no matter how long it's been since that episode came out. It's been four days, five days since that came out, four days, I think four days, five days. Yeah. Either way, it's out on Wednesday nights. And if you weren't convinced by the episode, first episode, you need to stop in for the second episode. Yeah. They had a lot of things in that episode that made me really excited for Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And then there's Dexter. New and Blood. And then there's Dexter. Yeah, I've been keeping Which, up with this whole new, new Blood season. Y- yeah. And, I mean, we've talked shit. about it before. It's, yeah. it's definitely nailing the Dexter themes, which is really nice. It's nice to hear that sound. It's nice to see Dexter... You know, in full capacity, but you know, um, and you know, we can't really go deep into spoilers here. But they're going places that, like, we kind of wanted to see the show go big yeah. time. Things you didn't know you wanted to see happen in a situation with Dexter and boy, are things getting hairy? Oh yeah, in this ninth episode, to the point that like we are especially worried if this next episode is the last episode of Dexter ever, or if they will find a way to make it a season finale. I think they're and done. Continue. I think I, I think they're done. They may go into a 
spinoff. A spinoff, eventually. maybe, but I it's don't not going to be a Dexter. Well, that's what they want us to think right now, based no. on the way things are fucking going. Right. Everyone watch that shit. Yes. It's good it's, stuff. Yeah, It's no, excellent. It is good stuff. Uh, but outside of those... It's a lot more fun if you go back and watch Dexter first. The first four episodes, the first four seasons of Dexter. The whole run. Whole no, not run. the whole run. Whole fucking run. Do not suggest whole that. That is, I, that is irresponsible of you to suggest any any season past four of Dexter. Oh, anyone. come on. It's the main reason I haven't gone back to watch Dexter is because I have no uh, desire. But I remembered season four, the most important one, so much. With John Lithgow in it. Okay. And like, okay, oh my to jump gosh. into this season, to jump into this new blood series. Yes. You hypothetically only need you to, only need to watch season. the first four seasons. Even just the fourth season would be fine. Okay. But technically, you need to know the eighth season to know. You need to know the rest. Yeah, exactly. To really understand. To really understand is. why, how Dexter got where he is right. at the beginning of New Blood. I guess you're not wrong. So, yes. yeah, everyone just watch seasons one through four and then the last episode of season eight. Oh You'll be covered. God. You will be completely covered. Tell me I'm wrong. I, I, you know what? Tell I may I'm be wrong. one of the few people that actually enjoyed the entire run of Dexter, including the last season and last episode. Oh. I actually appreciated how it ended. Oh. And when it when they said, Dexter New Blood is coming out and they're going to fix what was... And I'm like, there was nothing to fix. It was fine. Everybody else is, has the issue. There was nothing to fix. This is fine. Eat our asses. Yes. It was fine. Hey, I kept watching. I'm the only one that feels that way, though. I my no, wife was like, "Thank no, God not. they're fixing it." No, and I was like, "It's some of it made sense. Some of it didn't stri- didn't hit home. That's ultimately the thing." But you know, you also you were fine with the end of Game of Thrones, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually enjoyed the entire run of of Game of Thrones too. I felt yes. like the last season was rushed, but I was not upset with how it ended. Boom! There we go. As you have a very positive outlook when it comes to this. Well, there's when it comes to shows, your big show's ending because a lot of people did not like those finales. Well, there's also a lot of subtext in those, a lot of subtext to it. And if you're not following all that subtext and you're not on board with it, then you will feel like you've missed things in this. Like a lot of people that understand why Frodo and Sam didn't just ride eagles to fucking Mount Doom and save themselves all that foot traffic. Uh, the ones that understand that enjoy these shows or enjoy these endings because yeah. they understand the whole the whole outside of it. I don't know how to explain this shit. Never mind. Anyway, fuck it's it. Okay. There's a there's a journey. Fuck it, I like there's it. a journey to be had. I like the journey. Yeah. Location to be arrived at, even if sometimes it's about the journey, not the ending. Absolutely. And that's why the ending doesn't need to be, you know, yeah. explosive. Yeah. Big time, crazy ending. Yeah. Which, you know, I think um, really there are very few endings in, honestly, like pop culture, series, TV shows, um, even video games have really botched endings. Yeah. Um, to their trilogy. The Mass Effect trilogy, I'll tell you right now, like you might enjoy the, the end of three more than other people did because a lot of people were not happy with the end of Mass Effect 3, like, at all. But one of the only, like, flawless endings I can think of is Harry Potter's. Yeah. Well, Breaking Bad was pretty flawless. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Breaking Bad was pretty fucking amazing, too. The, the end, the how Breaking <laughs> Bad ended, I was... 
I was fully satisfied. I was fully satisfied with that too. And then he made a movie, and that was even fucking good. Yeah, I haven't even seen the movie. So I was just like, I don't, I don't really need to. We're just gonna turn this off and watch El Camino right now. That's I mean, the end of Breaking Bad was what I needed. It was, it was excellent. It was fine. Yeah. I don't yeah. really need to go back, mm-hmm. but. There's El Camino. I can go back. You can. So eventually, yeah. I will watch it. Well, so, you know, it's not really going back as much as it's moving forward because right. Jesse was driving away. Yeah. You had to figure what, what happened to Jesse, a, a man wanted by the DEA for cooking all the meth in the county. You know yeah. what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Let's just say El, El Camino is a perfect apple. I fucking okay. love that movie. All right. I'll it check it out. such a treat. I'll check it out. Listen. Um, On the note of Harry Potter... We watched the HBO Harry Potter reunion. Yes, I watched the first half of that. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and that was good. It was very... Here's the deal. With that reunion, we also watched a Friends reunion not too long ago. Right. And both of these were very... Um, they're very. It's like, honestly, <laughs> it's like watching a People Magazine special edition. Where they dig in deep on the things like uh, Emma Watson had a gigantic crush on Tom Felton and and um, that certain characters knew things and getting seeing them all get together and hug each other and talk about the old times and the drama and what wasn't drama and the cool and funny things. And it was fine, you know, um, and it just set us on a direct path to watch every single Harry Potter <laughs> that they had made. Because, boy, when they get you in the mood for that kind of... When you're in the mood, you're in the mood. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's why most of my watch time this week was just re-watching all the Harry Potter movies. All right. And you know what that made me want to do? What's that? Read every single <laughs> Harry Potter book again. Yep. Which, frankly, I haven't gone through the Harry Potter books again uh, since Deathly Hallows. Um, after Deathly Hallows came out, I want to say I did another pass of the books. I went through and read them all again. Yeah. And I did that about five times before they just sat on the shelf. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's a commitment to read that much. It really is. But I, I mean, I was, I was all in <clears throat> with Harry Potter when it, in the books and everything. So I was just like, yes, but I'm notorious for saying how much I fucking hate the movies because the first three books on their own are a thousand pages and that's already the entirety of lord of the rings right and you've got um another 700 pages another 800 pages that's already another 1500 pages so we're sitting on 2500 pages by the fifth book yeah and then 600 pages give or take that is even says 31 and then the final book so 38 give or take some words it's about four thousand pages worth of books yeah to read Yes, they but in fairness, reads, in fairness to Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, they're they're written for young adult. The language in these is not complex. It is not a difficult read. No. So you can read the first three Harry Potter books in roughly the same time frame that you can read the first fellow, the first of the Lord of the Rings. Yes, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, because wordings differently. Yeah, and. I mean, Fellowship is so fucking dense. Mm-hmm. Every bit of Lord of the Rings is so fucking dense because he's just building a world. Well, and that's the thing. Every, every you know, um, regular listener knows that it took me a long fucking time. It was not until, like, you pushed me off to, like, Daniel's time. <laughs> yeah. Like, how have you not read these books? And then I finally did. Yeah. 
that it was, you know, and I did want to, honestly, to its credit, I wanted to go back and read it again. I'm, I'm, I have a hankering to go back and read them again, like Harry Potter. And Harry mm-hmm. Potter was the only series growing up to do that to me, and a lot of people, for that matter, right. being ready to go back, because here I am like a decade plus later, and I'm ready to do another run through yeah. of the books. So, that's a big deal. Um, As far as these reunion shows go, because I watched the Friends reunion, yeah. and I started there. I watched the first half of the Harry Potter reunion. I haven't finished it yet. I think we ran out for dinner and just completely forgot we were watching it. Got it. Not sure, but um, these reunion shows remind me of there was a skit on Saturday Night Live during like the Chris Farley, Adam Sandler years. Yeah. And it was Chris Farley's thing wherever he, whenever there was like a movie star that was the guest for the week. Uh-huh. Where he was doing like his, he was the Chris Farley show and he would interview them and he was like, remember when you were in this movie, you did this thing and they would be like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> and that was pretty much the extent of the interview is he would rattle off famous scenes of what these actors did in their movies and they'd be like, that was super cool. That, and it was just like fanboy type thing. Yeah. That make, I get the same feel from these reunion shows. Absolutely. That makes me think of Between Two Ferns. Yeah. With Zach Galifianakis, except he's insulting them like right. subtly as they go. Yeah, it's a, it's almost like that, but instead of insulting them, he's just being like, What you did there was awesome. That was that was so cool. And then nothing. Just stare at And them. then he'll just stare at him and then he'll be like, Oh, and you were in this movie and rattle off the famous scene from that. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Well, we're out of time. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> that was his show. And Chris Farley's the best. And so I get that same feeling from these reunion shows, especially like the ones that haven't done a ton of stuff. Yes. Since this. Yes. And like and that's not really the case with a lot of the Harry Potter people. And it's Mm-mm. almost not really the case with a lot of the Friends cast, with the exception of like the Mats. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the mats have kept busy. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, Matt LeBlanc so. is doing like top, uh, top, top gear, top gear. Yeah, yeah. And Matt Perry is doing meth. I don't know. No, he's not. He had a bad um, trip with drugs, but he didn't. Um, no, he's not doing drugs anymore. No, I know. Actually, and I figured out like the like the day before he did that whole interview thing, mm-hmm. that whole special, he had just had his teeth worked on, like major dental surgery. Oh, so he was still kind of like. That's why it sounded like he was wearing dentures. Okay. Because his mouth was literally just fucked with the day before. Right. Which you know, kudos to him for showing up. Right. With the fucking instead of making everyone reschedule for it, that would well, have been so. I, I feel like his. I mean, okay, we'll go down the friends rabbit hole here. I think that um, for a time there, he was typecast. He was. And so he was trying to get away from that, from playing Chandler over and over. And it just, the only roles he he was getting was Chandler roles. And it it was kind of the same thing with Jim Carrey. For a while there, Jim Carrey was the physical comedy goofball. That was it. And then he got, they were like, oh, shit, he's got range. People saw Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and was like, holy fuck, the guy's got range. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Matthew Perry never hit that point. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. Which sucks because it's, uh, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly good actor. He's funny. I really enjoyed the whole nine yards, even though he's basically playing Chandler again. 
Yes. Yeah. Listen, um, I also watched Sex Education all the way through to season three. I started through season three last night. I watched the first episode of season three, and it was really hard for me not to keep going. Um, it is very much its own team drama, drama still, but it's got that comedy. What The cool thing about going through Sex Education and watching it slowly is that the show is very much about – just how we failed the, the the basically youth with sex education up until this point. They're making a very starch point of pointing out the misgivings of our you know educational system, and to the point that it's almost like completely meta, where you have the teachers who are like, absolutely, we are not going to talk about these things in class. And then meanwhile, there are you know um, his mom, who is a sex therapist, who's like, what are you teaching these kids? And then yeah. she'll, you know, like, and then she'll come in and they'll start talking about, is this a normal vulva? And she will, she will be like, of course. And meanwhile, the teacher's like, Jesus Christ, you don't talk about that in school. Right. So there's kind of that, that whole battle. But then there's also the, the story of her son who's growing up through this, you know, making mistakes that he makes and the other characters around him. And the, it's really, really funny just the way, first of all, you end up liking the characters the way they normalize the gay characters is ridiculous. His best friend is gay from the get go Mm -hmm. and they don't, that doesn't stop them from being affectionate with each other, completely platonically affectionate. Um, and they, it doesn't stop them from, you know, um, exploring the harder parts of also like the way sex education is concerned with, um, just minor spoilers and I'm not going to give anything away a character who's um, she's riding the bus to school and she figures out uh, quickly she bumps into a guy and she's like oh sorry are you okay and he's like yeah and then she's like cool and then she turns around and then she f- looks back and he's jerking off on her on the bus wow All and right. he literally finishes on her pants Spectacular. Finishes the. She goes the entire episode. Um, she goes to her best friend Maeve, and she's like, "Oh, well, here's this. Here's this cake." And, um, and she's like, "What's wrong with your jeans?" And she goes, "Oh, that's just some splooge. A guy just jerked off on me on the bus." And she's like, "What?" She's like, "We're taking you straight to like report this right now." And the girl says, "No, no, no. I'm good. Like, I just need to wash my jeans, and I'll be good." And she's like, "No, this is uh, sexual harassment. Like, an ant assault. We're going." And she's like, but it's your birthday. And and she says, I promise you I want nothing more than to go to the police station to report this on my birthday. She's fine. And they go all the way there and they go through all the things and they go through the, you know, they're sitting in the, um, they're sitting in the waiting room and they're like, we're so sorry about this. Can you give us a description? Can we do all of these things? And, and she's just sitting here and she's like, I really just want my jeans back. <laughs> you know, and I'd like to go home, and um, and then they finally get a ride home, um, by from the detectives, and they're like, "Thanks a lot," and they're like, "Cool," and then she goes inside, and her mom says, "How are you?" <laughs> and then oh, no. that's when it sets. That's in. when she pops, and she says, "Do you want to watch a movie?" She says, "Actually, I think I just want to go to bed." Yeah, and she goes up to her room, and. From here on, we her her uh, story for the season is her literally not being able to ride the bus, not being able to engage in sexual activities with her boyfriend, and more. Oh wow! So, despite the fact that this show is fucking brilliant and hilarious, that doesn't stop it from reaching the dramatic points. Right, and that character 
who went through that in the second season, she was nominated for the first season for being one of the comedic actresses. She almost got like best supporting comedic actress. She had an amazing run in the first. She was really, really funny because initially you watch her and, you know, some side characters, you're just kind of like, oh, they're just going to be like giggle laugh. No, she was fucking hilarious in the first season. And then they completely victimize her in the second season. And you're oh, like, sure. it makes you that much more angry Yeah, as you watch. <sighs> making it a good show. All right. I gotta Just, it's I gotta it's go very special. It's a very special show in the way that it addresses. It is what it is about. It is sex education. There's a lot of things about it. And, you know, here's the deal. Yeah. Well, it brings up a lot of interesting ideas and points. And just it's a yeah. very, very interesting show that Absolutely. my wife was not into. And so we haven't gone back to it. Mm. I'm going back to it because uh, I really fucking enjoy it, it. And that's the thing. I did start watching it by myself. Yeah. You know, it was just a little too on the nose with the sexual content, which my wife is kind of bleh about. She's not her favorite type of, you know, um, media to consume. So I end up watching it by myself. And honestly, I've seen enough episodes and I might actually tell her this is actually a show you need to watch outside of the things you don't like. There's a lot more to appreciate about it. And I could probably get her back on the wagon. Yeah. It is a lot like a show called Skins on E4 that I used to watch, which was also funny in its own way. You know, um, it was just a group of teenagers just living their life in, in Bristol, London and being some of them, you know, were cocky. Some of them had anxiety. Some were the loser. Some had anorexia. One of them, uh, just his parents were not around and he, uh, would take Viagra daily and walk around with a boner for fun. Um, (laughs) uh, just really funny things. So like, uh, that show was very much in its own way. It was far. It was equally as dramatic as it was com- comedic, if not more dramatic. It was just the drama. You know what I mean? Right. This is a lot more comedy oriented, but seeing those kids in that light um, makes it kind of a superior version of that that show we used to watch. So Skins is actually pretty popular. That was one of the more popular shows to ever be on E4. Okay. Um, with characters you end up just really liking. Cool. Um. So sex education totally worth and to just kind of capitalize again and sell you and everyone listening on why you need to watch sex education um, is the beginning of season three where um, I'll tell you right now, there is the Lord of the Vale. Okay. Who is not Peter. Who is before Peter, the Lord of the Vale in Game of Thrones. Robin. Little Robin. For those of you who watched uh, season one of Game of Thrones – uh, and then the final season, and maybe see him grow up. Uh, little Robin Vale, um, the 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 Lord of the Vale, who's literally sucking at his mom's teeth. He's still in acting. Yeah. And if you want to see him um, walking into the back of a news broadcast, uh, desperately trying to find a place to hide because he's naked and using a goat to cover himself up on public television. Nice. This is the show you go to watch. All right. I can't say that's the top of my list when I saw Robin. But, you know, maybe. <laughs> it's it funny. It's funny. Um, he's got some comedic chops for sure. Nice. In the way he operates. So cool. it's really it's, it's weird to see, but it's also interesting to see. Sometimes you see kids act, kid actors and you're like, OK, this is something that they like aren't coming back to do. Right. You know, that was not our first bet is that we would see Robin of the Vale again. Right. He's still acting and it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's really strange to see um, any of the Harry Potter kids in something else. That too. Now. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, on the note of all the Harry Potter movies, just watching them again, it's, we've, we've 
we have Harry Potter episodes. We've already had Harry Potter, you know, spoiler casts, all that stuff where we kind of dig into it. But um, all I can say is that, like, I have a new appreciation for them as an adult who can kind of take in the fact that films are not the same as books. Right. When I was 13, year old, uh, 13 years old and I watched The Prisoner of Azkaban, I was furious. Mm-hmm. Furious about how different it was. Mm-hmm. But now it's my favorite of all the movies they did. If not... Um, the Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire was the one that pissed me off. Naturally. That was the first one to really piss me off. And Prior that was, to that, I was like, okay, there's concessions that need to be made. It is a 700-page book. And it's they a are not doing two parts. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, there are concessions that need to be made, and I understand that. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. So the first three movies, that was the mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fourth movie, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why did you ruin this? <laughs> As hard as you fucking ruined this, you better pick it back up with with number five because this is horseshit. And then number five was like even more horseshit. Oh I was yeah, just like what the fuck? That's the thing. The are fifth, you doing the, with these goddamn movies? The fifth book is really the hardest one for them to adapt because yeah. not because it's the longest book even, but because of the sheer amount of fucking backstory details they just load into. Yeah. In in the in the books, you know what I mean, and we get a pretty good background of Neville from basically like the third and fourth book, without going into you know too much detail, but then you turn and you look at uh, uh, the movies. They had to. It took them literally like six movies <laughs> to really get into like what happened to Neville and Neville's backstory and what makes him so special and why he lives with his grandma and stuff. So it was really stretched out, but ultimately, like you see the concessions they have to make for these things, and then kind of see how the sooner they get back into being able to, you know, get more details. So the Half Blood Prince, not nearly as bad of an adaptation as four and five, but that was a much shorter book than five, barely a shorter book than four, a hundred pages shorter still, but you know, not a whole lot of particularly important details. I want to say, but. You know, there were some changes that I agree were, you know, made from the movies to the books. But then, of course, the best ad- adaptation of the books at all, period, is The Deathly Hallows. Why? Because they did it in two movies. Right. If they had two movies for Goblet of Fire, Goblet of Fire would have been fine. If they right. had two movies for Order of Phoenix, that would have been fine. I think Harry, it, like the Half-Blood Prince, still only really required one movie, ultimately. Maybe a three-hour movie, but... <clears throat> the changes they made from Goblet of Fire on I think really fucked up the entire path of the movie because in I think in Goblet of Fire they focused on the wrong details they they filmed the wrong things yeah like the close up on the on the uh, uh, fucking Bobaton's asses Oh, they're like running up the aisle. Right. That's a little too much. Yeah. Well, I was watching that and I kind of rolled my eyes. Exactly. When, yeah. When they introduce the other schools, I, I mean, there are still whole sections of the fan base that think that France has an all-girls school for magic. And that somewhere in Germany, there's an all-boys school for magic called Durmstrang. And it's like, no, these were not. These were not like girls academies and boys academies. There were other students that came along here, mm-hmm. but they decided to focus on the girls and make it all fucking ah. Yeah. Instead of like and have the boys coming in and be like, you know, instead of just being like, 
oh, these are students from other schools. Welcome them. We're going to compete. Have fun. Yeah. You Good know. Luck. And if they had if they had not taken the time to do that shit and taken far too fucking long to have Harry avoid a dragon on a broom. Yes. They could have added more of the details to where like books or the fifth through eighth movies wouldn't be entirely fucked. Yeah, I suppose. Cause they did. I mean, they did things to make them very specifically cinematic. Yeah. But that's kind of the hard part when you get into the, like the nitty gritty is like, do we want a long movie of details or do we want like some interesting sequences in our movies kind of thing, you know? Right. Which I mean, maybe they could have fit the Sphinx into um, the hedge maze in the third Triforce cup or Triwizard cup thing, you know, for instance, just one thing. Um, or fit in Dobby giving um, Harry the gillyweed instead of Neville. Right. Right. And they could have fit that in if they didn't make the damn broom chase with the dragon in the first task so fucking long. Right. How long would that scene with the dragon have been if they stayed in that arena? Um, Not long. No, it probably <laughs> would have been maybe two and a half minutes. And that's where it's kind of like, are we putting in a dragon or are we putting in a dragon? Right, but at yeah. the if they did it right, that two and a half minutes would have been just intense enough to really be like, okay, that was perfect amount of dragon. Yeah, yeah. Instead, they flew all over the goddamn campus, and it was like, holy shit, how long are we gonna fly around with this fucking dragon? At that what was point? Like a Ten minute sequence. At what point are we going to actually get <laughs> forward here? Because I was just like, I was like, yes, he's avoiding the dragon. Oh, cool. Oh, we didn't grabbed the egg he flew off where where is he where are they all right what time is it shit see and you 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 say that uh, but i was getting bored by the end of that scene when we watched it again right i was getting bored by the end of that scene i was like is this over yet like what's going on right that's that's the thing like if i fast forwarded it and put it on some some fucking scooby-doo music like yeah it'd be a cartoon like yeah if you if you drop the speed if you sped it up to four times and played uh, Yakety sacks behind it. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. But instead, they just drew it out for so long. I mean, even when I was seeing it in the theater, I was like, come on. How long are we going to fly around with this fucking dragon? This is so long. I'm going to watch Magic Mike. Exactly. Again. It was just like, fuck. Anything no, else. That makes sense. You know, um, that being said, I mean, they're perfectly good watches, you know, every now and then. And sometimes you just need a you need a dose of Harry Potter. You need a dose of that that John Williams soundtrack theme. Mm -hmm. You need a dose of seeing the magic. You need a dose of seeing Hogwarts, wishing you could live there for a little bit and uh, just kind of be in that world. Because ultimately they did nail the aesthetic of what the book should have been. So I think that's why it's always going to be a go to. And oh, yeah, definitely. And and I mean, at this point, it's iconic. The the movies are more iconic than the books almost. Yeah. And it's like there are there are certain fans that are like kind of like me where it's just the books are canon. The movies are just kind of ancillary. Yeah. There's the other section of fans that are like the movies are canon and the books are just kind of like, well, you know, if you want to see what the source material look like, you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like nobody's really wrong except for those movie fuckers. You know, you know, you know. I'm standing by the books here. Uh, the movies are just shit and compared to the books. I can't even make the point I was trying to make because it just infuriates me so bad. They went back on things so hard in the movies that just it infuriated the shit out of me. Yeah. In the books, Hermione never fixed her, Harry's glasses. 
in the movies. She's the only one who fixed his glasses. Yeah. Uh, enraged. Literally. Yeah. It's hard. They can't do it, you know, but here's the deal. We, I mean, if they didn't know that they would have to make those concessions, like, I mean, you said yourself, we wouldn't have had the movies. Right. Plain and simple. Because right. even the fourth book was out when they were making the first one, the first movie. Yes. Even the f- fourth book was out, the longest of them. So they knew going into this they were going to have to do some things to change. Change it, make it work, do all the things, because these are ultimately kids' movies, no matter how dark they get by the end. Right. And you're not going to be able to get a sit, kid, kid to sit for more than two and a half hours. You're just not. Right. I really... That's a fair point. That's absolutely a fair point. And to that point, I think the movies would have been better if they had started after book seven was done and released. Yeah, you're not wrong, but also um, I've got a you know an even better um, kind of pitch for you. Uh, I wish they considered uh, whether or not they wanted to make an HBO series. Yeah, first because these books, you know, like the series of of, of unfortunate events series on Netflix. Yeah, flawless, fucking amazing. One in one with the books. For okay, the, for the most part, and they're just. Amazing. Yeah. But they those were short books. That's why the first season literally consisted of the first four books. Right. Second season. Next four books. Last season. Last three books. Yeah. Or four, four, three, four. Anyways. And they do. I think it was four, four, two five. Two books. They end up doing two books per episode. So they are in their own still these two-hour movies. Right. Sold as shows. Maybe the TV budget wouldn't have helped. Movie budgets are much bigger than TV budgets, ultimately. Not so much. Actually, no. Yeah, still. Ultimately. Because I was going to say Game of Thrones budgets were like $10 million per episode. And that gets to be pretty up there. Yeah. But movies movies are just harder to do, ultimately. And that's what it is. So. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, just based on the things that I do know about that industry, it's a miracle that anything gets fucking made. You're not wrong. It, it is a complete miracle that we see any of this. It's a miracle we still have movies considering yeah. theaters are not what they were. Yeah. I'm, per, I'm about 99% certain that a lot of studios are, like, eating their shit right now, trying to fucking get things done. Right. Get products made. Put them out. Be done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's nuts. So, I don't want to sound unappreciative. I am appreciative. I just wish that it was better. Yeah. No, we all do. We wish those yeah. later movies were better, of course. But and what it, can you do? Right. Yeah. That's that's kind of it. You know, unless you turn every chapter into an animated episode and have the seven seasons of Harry Potter. Yeah. Hint, hint. Somebody do that, please. DreamWorks. <laughs> <jump on that. laughs> so, uh, what, what, let's, uh, I want to kind of interject in the in the space here yeah. that we move on to the next thing. There's another I I I'm going to let you talk about your games, but I want to talk about my games because it's kind of like a curveball thing. Go. Because I played a game. Yes. I've been playing a game. It's called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Okay. Gloomhaven is right now probably the most popular board game. It is essentially very much a Dungeons and Dragons-esque, but it is a board game, so you do not have a dungeon master. The game runs itself. Okay. And it's really fun. Yeah. It's really, really fun. So the Jaws of the Lion aspect, the one I'm playing, there is um, one box edition that costs 
I want to say like 150 is okay. the normal size. The normal Gloomhaven box fucking huge. Yeah. They came out with like a $40 edition called Jaws of the Lion, which is a prequel to the original game, but it's baby sized. It's a lot more digestible and it's not as overwhelming. So me and can some of the boys pick that up to play? Nice. Really fun. It's like a it's so like I said, it's a kind of a D&D fix for when you can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. And it really it fills in the the animation, not the animation. It fills in the imagination required right. for yeah. for Dungeons and Dragons, because there are some friends I have that I know just will not be good at Dungeons and Dragons because they can't they can't get into the imagination play pretend aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm hmm. But uh, this this board game definitely helps to bridge that gap because you have preset characters yep. that you go in and you play as. They have their roles as tank support, you know, um, DPS, whatever. But then as you go through, you get a spiral notebook and you flip the pages and each one is a scenario that okay. you go through. In between the scenarios, you get to draw certain cards, get certain things on the battlefield. You get to go shopping in the store. They have um, city interactions. So if something happens in the city, you can draw a card. And um, For instance, one of the city interactions we had in between scenarios, which we flipped up, was uh, the, one of your buddies, uh, one of the party members, looks like, uh, um, looks like the person on this wanted poster. Decide who that person is. And we decided it was me that looks like the person on the wanted poster. I play a very shady, shady character, though. And then the options were A, say nothing and continue forward, or B, turn them in and collect the reward, break them out later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we turned me in for the gold. Nice. <laughs> and broke me out later. <laughs> Excellent. Even though they had to betray me. Jerks. Yeah. No, I don't like So, But it was funny. It said A. Uh, say nothing B guards over here <laughs> so it's got a sense of humor in That's it cool. as well um, the enemies are interesting and it's got its own it's fantasy theme is um, dark nice. in, in addition to it's not just light fantasy it's actually dark fantasy because the, the characters you're playing are kind of fucked up <laughs> which is pretty cool I'm playing a, um, a hatchet uh, the race is Enox and he looks like a fucking gremlin like a full grown gremlin nice but he, his weapon is hatchet. He's a DPS. Um, he does not look like a friendly person <laughs> at all. So Nice. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then um, the uh, other character that the BFFFF Joe is playing is the Red Guard. And he looks like a mix between the Imperial Guards from Star Wars and uh, the Witch King. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, so he's basically a red witch king. He looks badass, and he's yeah. It's but again, it's kind of like that cool dark element to it. Nice. Yeah. So if anyone's looking for like a, a board game to get into, like I can I can recommend Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. The bigger Gloomhaven sounds like an undertaking. Nice. Based on how long it took us to get through the tutorial of the of <laughs> just Jaws of the Lion. Right. But it could be a nice fix if you don't have someone to, you know, DM or, you know, you can't get a group to swing D&D. <laughs> Gloomhaven seems like the way to go. All right, cool. You know what that game used to be? What did it used to be? Magic the Gathering. No way. Magic the Gathering was designed to play in between D&D sessions. Right. Because it was short. Yeah. It was like maybe 15 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it still had the fantasy element, so you were two wizards casting spells at each other. Mm-hmm. No, I think magic still has its role in that because right. the sessions in Gloomhaven are yeah. two hours. Right. 
So it's a very nice in between for sure. Right. I think you could still get like uh, while you're trying to figure out the rules, you could still play a, a round of Magic: The Gathering on this. Oh yeah, definitely. Of Gloomhaven. So yeah. yeah. Nice. And also the setup and take apart is almost as long as playing. Nice. Depending on you know what card standees things you're putting together, your yeah. deck of cards you're getting together. When you level up, you have to put some cards away, get new cards out. Okay. Things like that. There's, I think I saw a review of it on TikTok. Yeah. Possibly. There's a video game version available on Steam as well. Nice. But that kind of takes away the fun of it. Yeah. Playing in the same room. Because there's there's like a couple of like board gamers that are like you know this board they'll like go through board games on their TikTok. Yeah. And I think they did go through Gloomhaven once. Yes. Possibly. Yes. I don't know. I could be wrong. They might have. Sounds cool. Yeah. I'd be down to play. So what video games did you play? Um, well, I haven't turned on Mass Effect yet. Um, once again, this week was pretty much spelt, spent putting together an ad app out of Lego. So it was it was a very busy week for that. And um really there's oh shit, yeah, it's hulking over my shoulder, isn't it? Yeah, in the, it's in, in the, the shot. In the video, Holy it is. Yeah, it's it. big. I see it's it over big. There. I, I keep getting surprised every time I look yeah, back at it. I see it hulking over <laughs> my shoulder now. Yeah. Anyway, um, so a lot of time was spent on that. I, the funny thing is, I've been playing these mobile games, and I've been playing mobile games forever since I got the iPhone, you know, and they get more and more and more and everything. Well, I refuse to turn on the ad tracking for any of these apps so that it'll chart what it's advertising to me and try and give me advertisements relevant to my interests and I'm like fuck that no no I don't need any of that so the ads I am getting are very very generic yes. they're just like you know these ads for these other games that are similar to the game that I'm playing yes and these games are presenting the most outlandish shit ever <laughs> to these games okay so for instance there's an ad that keeps showing where it starts with a woman who's holding up a stick. And it's obvious that she's very excited about it because she's holding her stomach as well. And then it shows her with a man reading a newspaper and she's talking to him. And he does a spit take with his coffee and then leaves and gets into his car and jets off. And so now she's sitting on her steps sobbing. And then here comes this letter. And so she opens the letter, and inside the letter is instructions from some weird relative in the past, and it's got a key. She grabs the key, and she is led to this address, opens up the gate, and there's this massive mansion that needs a shit ton of work. It's basically a massive hovel. This game is called Homescapes. It essentially plays the same as Candy Crush. Yes, that is the ad for a, for a, a variant of Candy Crush. What? It is the most outlandish shit. And it's like all portrayed over like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm, so you mm -hmm. get this whole fucking arc of a story. And it's just like, how is any of that relevant to this? No, it's not. It's, it's weird. so goofy. And every ad is like that. Every ad is just portraying this really fucking weird story. And when it shows examples of gameplay, the examples are just completely fucking it up. And I get that that is the that is how 
they get you because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're watching. You're watching this person, and it's like, don't do that. Don't. You're purposely trying to lose. Why are you doing it? Yeah. Here, give it to me. I'll show you. There's this girl who's ugly. She needs her clothes redesigned. Yes. Yes. It's just, oh my god. There's this girl who needs rescuing from zombies. What would you do? Yeah. Click here to play now. Yeah. Get ten minutes of gameplay until we charge you five bucks to play for another yeah. ten minutes. Zombie survival game. But you have to align the crystals in like patterns of three, four, or five <laughs> to f- survive zombies. So you've been playing stupid mobile games. <laughs> no, what I've been else? seeing ads for stupid okay, mobile okay, games. Okay, okay, okay. These are these are not the games I'm playing, but they're the ads I'm seeing. Okay. Because I'm not turning on ad trackers. Yeah, they're silly ads. I've seen them too. Yeah, they're ridiculous, and it's and it's hilarious because there's. Well, here, for television and media, there are rules to advertisements. You have to, it has to be true. You cannot false advertise on television or in print. That is not the case for these Chinese or Russian games on app stores. Mm -hmm. There is no rules for false advertising, so they can put whatever they want in their ad Mm -hmm. as long as it's relatively on theme to get you to download it. Truth. And it's just like, okay, we need to catch up. Mm -hmm. The the laws need to catch up to the internet. And they're not there yet. No, they're not. They are in China. Yeah. (laughs) Where where kids are literally not allowed by law to play games more than two hours a day. Oh, wow. Really? You didn't know this? I did not know this. How do they regulate that? I don't know, but I think we're going to have to talk about it on a different show. <laughs> we may have to talk about that on a different show because that is wild. It's wild. Oh, man. That's, the laws that's pretty of China. Cool. That's pretty cool, but holy shit. Yes. But it also, when you think about it, it's probably a lot worse over there than it is even over here. Oh, as far as games? Yeah. I yeah. wonder how many people from China are going to start moving over here just so they can play their games as much <laughs> as they want. <laughs> well, there is... Is that China or Japan? It's China. Okay. It is straight up. Of course, it's China. Right. Well, no, because I know Japan has this. Ter- there's a term in Japanese. Should we be saying, of course, it's China? Or are they going to hack us? Like, <laughs> they're going to hack us, shut down. The- if Excitement Inc. disappears from the fucking internet, it's because we talk shit about China. China, okay? calm down. It's all jokes. It's all calm jokes. Down. Calm down, China. Please don't. Oh, no, it was Korea. North Korea did the um, Sony hack. Yeah, North Korea is pretty fucking stringent yeah they are stringent on that yeah yeah we're just talking about them we should probably not exactly let's not Mm -hmm. let's not south korea great yeah yeah, yeah. north korea we know nothing yeah we don't know anything we're just gonna not talk about it i'm I'm barely aware there is to get deleted off the internet i'm barely aware there's another section of korea don't anyway (laughs) um but yeah there's actually a term in japanese for a person that lives off their parents because they're obsessed with online gaming. I can't remember what the term is. Neckbeard? It's, well, that's what it is, but it's the Japanese word for it. And I can't. Oh, there's a Japanese word. There's for actually it. a Japanese Jap- word. Japan has for a lot of their own words for their things. Right. Oh, Japan, Japanese is a much, much better language than English. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hikikomori. Hikikomori. Yeah, this is where people 
Wait, is it? No, these are modern day hermits. Acute social withdrawal. I mean, I mean, is it the same kind of? Not aspect, really, because maybe? it's like, it's like these are people that are more in tune with their online life than they are with their with reality. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's what it is. <clears throat> Anyways, what other games do yeah. you play? <laughs> we got deep in that one. We did. We went down that rabbit hole. Holy shit. Um. Been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. You fucking better. Yeah. I didn't find you a PS5 to <laughs> give me the money back for for nothing. <laughs> the complete edition. So now I'm playing my way through the new game plus. I, I had gotten into it. Did you I do fro- Frozen Wilds yet? Not yet. I haven't okay. found them yet. I don't know oh. where they are. Yeah, I wonder if it's something you have to fire up separately. Might have to Google to find it. That's one thing I didn't do, and I'm kind of interested to play. Kevin told me once a while ago that it was really he really liked the Frozen Wilds because apparently the aesthetic of the area is just completely different. Yeah. Now I will say that when I first got in to Horizon Zero Dawn, I downloaded the complete edition on the PS5 because on my PS4 it was not letting me purchase the Frozen Wilds anymore. Oh no. And it's because it got wrapped into the complete edition. Yeah. So I just I bought the whole complete edition, playing it on the PS5, fine dandy. When I first loaded it up, it gave me ten skill points Uh because my character was I was at level fifty. Okay. And so for the last ten levels, I I was gaining skill points, but there was nowhere to spend them. Yeah. There is now. Oh. So with Frozen Wilds, there's another skill tree that you can fill in. Okay. Now, because I was already level 50 plus, Mm -hmm. I already had the skill points to just fill them all in. Wow. So I was like, okay, this is cool. So now I can actually forage on horseback. Yeah. You know, before you would have to dismount whatever you were riding. Yeah, get off, go. Gather it, and then jump back on. Now you can just lean down, gather. So that makes me really curious to what to really what your preference is, being that you put so many hours into this and so many hours into Breath of the Wild, and I feel like the answer is obvious, but I'm still kind of curious if you had to choose between Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn. For the rest of all time. Oh, that's a tough, tough call. See, it is a tough call. That's really and that's all that call. that's all that really matters because I yeah. feel like, indisputably, clearly, it would have to be Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, yeah. But the fact that it's a hard decision at all really speaks to how yeah. much you also enjoy Horizon. Well, the main thing to Horizon that keeps me coming back is the story of that world, because the whole backstory to all of it is just like it's a cautionary tale to be sure but it's like fascinating to see the lengths that these that the writers and developers for this game they went down these rabbit holes that were just amazing Mm -hmm. and and you can you know you can play the game over and over and over again still find more lore more shit yes more stuff yes to really make it awesome okay and that's what I'm enjoying. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yes. A lot. And you have pulled up specs for PlayStation VR 2. I have. And PlayStation VR. It was announced. Did you hear? Oh, I've heard. Okay. I've heard all about it. The PSVR 2? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the details? 
No, I just heard about it and got fucking enraged because I just got <laughs> PlayStation VR. And they're like, oh, look, it's not going to work with your new system, and here's one that will. Oh, my Spend God. Spend another $300, suckers. No, it'll be oh. it'll be 400 man. I know. Exactly. If not 500 because exactly. this is in 4K. Yeah. This is a big deal. Um no other uh no other thing is going up to no other VR goes up to this. It doesn't not even the Valve Index which is hypothetically the best one on the market right now. Um it's got a um a water filled of view than the VR, but the the PSVR2 uh one of the coolest things really about it in my opinion, in my honest opinion. First of all, you will not need a PSVR camera yeah. for it. Um, there will be no PS camera, whatever. It is corded, apparently, and uh, it will have new col- controllers, which they won't be like the Move controllers. They will now have haptic feedback, right? As well as um, finger triggering, all of the etc. Basically, a lot more like the Oculus Quest controllers, right? Which are pretty cool because they have um, basically grabber buttons with the handles in addition to the fingers, yeah. So you can hold something, right. and then pull the trigger. So um, really came in handy when I was playing Resident Evil 4 on Oculus Quest 2. So um, and so, yeah, with a camera, you don't need the camera because it's all built in. Uh, it is still corded because it needs to go to the PlayStation. Right. But for that reason, it's going to be uh, basically a lot better. And um, with that, you get, like I said, 2000 by 2040 pixels per eye. That is 4K. Well, there's another kicker on that that ha- really has me interested in this one now, what? and under and is understandable to justify the cost on it now. What, one of the launch titles, eye tracking. Eye tracking. Oh yeah, there's that too. Yeah, I didn't it's the that. only one that's going to be watching where your eyes are positioned. Yes, that's which is very cool. That's very fucking cool. I thought you were gonna. Um, we were gonna talk about the the one VR game they announced. I don't know the one VR game they announced. Oh, Call of the Horizon, Call of the Mountain. Yes, the first VR um, game they announced for PSVR two, which I doubt they're only going to have one. They are calling it "Will Change AAA VR." They say so. It's going to look damn fucking good. Cool. Horizon and VR. Does it make yeah. you happy? <laughs> is that something exciting? You know what we can get is uh, Breath of the Wild in VR. I don't think. No, not yet. No. They had like VR goggles for the Switch for a minute, but I don't think that was actually any good. I don't think so. No. I don't know. Yeah. I know that they were messing around with AR more than anybody else. They were, yeah. You're not wrong. So. Did you play any other games? No, that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. How about you? I, was, I played um, some new stuff. All right. Rich, I found a game that you're going to want to play. Which you I know always I do find that games that I'm going to want to play. Um, this one more than others, probably. There's probably. time, you know, you're finishing Horizon, and eventually you'll, I know you'll start on Mass Effect, and that will be fun for you because of what it is, fucking aliens and being Star Trek. But I found a game called Death's Door. Okay. It is uh, published by Devolver Digital. Um, I forgot the publisher, and I really wish I remembered, but I don't know that we play a lot of games by them anyway, but I am enraptured with this game. All right. Because it is scratching an itch I have had since Zelda Link's Awakening. Okay. In the way that it is basically a more frantic, a little more Souls-like, um, um, over-the-top dungeon crawler. I'm getting weapons. I'm getting power-ups. The story is you're playing as a, a raven that is basically a reaper. You're called a reaper, and you collect souls. And... Uh, it's got some real smooth music and some very Ghibli-like art. Nice. So it's um, 
being that it's indie, it's not an incredibly um, in-depth game, but it's very straightforward is what I'm enjoying about it. The combat itself is much more frantic than any Zelda you're going to play. And it's a little bit of a bullet hell when you're playing it as well. Okay. Do you know bullet hell? I don't. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. It's the games where they're shooting out a million things at once and you have to dodge them all. Okay. Basically. I'm trying to think of a good example. Technically, Asteroids. Okay. In a way. Um, no, Galaga. Galaga is probably the first bullet hell because you're trying to dodge all the things while you're shooting. Right. Um, it's, it's very much like that. But then if you die, you go back to the door that you came from. And you have to walk all the way back. Which kind of entices you to be better while you're playing yeah because you don't want to hike all the way back right to the boss um none of it's incredibly like a punishing hike but it's enough to make you like basically think am i going to be nonchalant because my mind is so used to having a checkpoint immediately or am i going to go ham make sure i don't get fucking hit because i do not want to hike back here again Right. Which is a lot nicer than giving you all your points, having you die, and then you lose those points forever. Yeah. <laughs> on your way back. So um, definitely easier for that reason. But it's the art's wonderful. The gameplay is fun. And uh, uh, the story so far is, is pretty cute, too. Nice. Yeah. I do like it a lot. You'll probably like it, too. Huh? Little Indy. Death's Door. Me? Yeah. And then um, I started playing Borderlands 3 a little bit. On PS5. Yeah. Sarah and I played the shit out of Borderlands 3 over the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing is that they came out with an extra season pass with the director's cut in it that adds a fourth skill tree to all, right. all of the classes. So I've been playing with that. Playing on PS5 with the, with the uh, uh, solid state drive, much mm-hmm. better. Okay. Um, playing with... Uh, uh, the solid state drive makes everything load way faster. There's no frame rate dips. It's just the, the, basically playing on PS5 is the ultimate way to play Borderlands 3 because the the last-gen hardware did have some issues handling it. Okay. So granted, I was playing on the first iteration of Xbox One and PS4 right. when I was playing this game. It was more Xbox One, and the Xbox One, I'm pretty sure, was just barely weaker than the PS4, but it was still a little... Okay. Frame rate drops, all that stuff. PS5, no issues there, and I'm playing it again. Nice. Um, the BFFF Joe has not played it at all yet, so um, we're kind of going through that. I showed you to let you know if you wanted to play Borderlands 3, we could do that. Yeah. And it's fun. All right, cool. Then he bought a lot of games on sale, but we game share, so I get those games too. Right. Warhammer Chaos Bane. What? Warhammer. What about Warhammer? I'm used to, I'm familiar with the uh, tabletop version. Yes. They've been making a lot of video games for Warhammer content. It makes sense. It's, it's, you know, they have their RTS games, but they're also like delving into other RPG oriented um, um, game styles, right. game themes to play. So one is Vermintide, mm-hmm. which is a first person left for dead, basically. Vermintide is a, is a period in all the Warhammer series where... The Vermintide comes and it is the apocalypse because there are way too many Vermintide. <laughs> Vermin, verminlings, vermin, basically rat people to handle. So okay. for that reason, it is like Left for Dead because there is a lot like zombies, except it's Warhammer. So you're using shotguns and explosions and knives and swords and hammers in a, you know, 
kind of a steampunk punkish medieval thing that's the cool thing about warhammer is that they take these things these these medieval fantasy concepts and kind of crank them up to a to a, a 12 and then add some like not literal 80s style action but more like subliminal meta like um upgrade your mortar now and then you can you know and then you're gonna be big and buff when you're throwing these guys and cracking their skulls in two kind (laughs) of like attitude about it right right mr torg and that is exactly (laughs) and that is very much chaos bane that it is a it is their version of a diablo game okay and probably played for about two and a half hours last night and they basically took Diablo put a Warhammer skin on it and cranked it to a fucking 13. Nice. It is so fun. So, 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 so fun. Awesome. I know you don't have really anything to directly compare off of because you haven't really hammered down on Diablo 3 yet. Um, I would hate to start you on Chaos Tide and put you back to Diablo because in Chaos Tide, they are Chaos Bane. Sorry. Yeah. I'm mixing Vermintide and Chaos Bane. But um, in Chaos Bane, they. Mm-hmm. they already have a lot of shortcuts that just simplify Diablo. Not as many stats. When you pick up an item, you immediately see the percentages of the stats versus what they are. So when you're comparing guns and Borderlands, right? If you could literally just compare, like, defense on all of your things immediately. Or if you could compare damage percentage on all of your things immediately. Hmm. Super easy. They make it very easy to go fast and just destroy what are hordes of enemies. You have to play a lot of Diablo to get into the end game and then get to do the hordes. Where you're going through and using a mixture of your most powerful attacks leveled up with all your gems to hopefully make it through a horde. And they call them Nephilim Rifts. Okay. In Diablo 3, they don't shy from that Warhammer. You are from the get-go dealing with hordes. That makes sense. Which is amazing. Yeah. All of the abilities I've started with are just fun as hell. And they balance the numbers a lot differently. Diablo starts just like every other RPG where it's like baby steps. Warhammer will rush you through that shit. Yeah. I got... As a level 10 upgrade, I got a fucking mortar. I'm playing an engineer. This class, I'm using a lot. I'm using a gun and a mallet, just bashing the shit out of my enemies, using a repeater to shoot as well, and that builds up basically what your mana is. You don't have to use mana potions. All you have to do is use your main ability, which is going to build your mana or whatever. Mine is my fuel for my engine that I carry on my back. When my engine hits 100, I explode. Oh, shit. I'm so tanky, it doesn't hurt me right now, but if I was in the middle of a boss and I forgot to move on my right stick, which lets out the steam and I can point that steam at people, which is pretty cool, Um, I can uh, point that steam, but if I don't let off on the steam, I will explode. Nice. So it's a very, like, it's a high risk, high reward style thing, because the higher of uh, heat my engine gets, the faster I get, the more damage my attacks do. So... Even in just a class I picked, there's a there's a balance there that makes the class so much more interesting than anything I've ever played in two Diablo games multiple times. Nice. So Chaos Tide is definitely worth the PS5 version was on sale, so we skipped the loading screens and the frame rate drops of the last generation. Nice. And playing it on this new one. So one of these days when it gets on sale again, I'll I'll have to tell you because one of these days we gotta we gotta jump on Diablo three, dude. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. I have it on PS5 now. Yeah. Maybe I'll jump into that. Yeah. After Bioshock. No. And finishing Horizon Zero Dawn. Let's get realistic goals, okay? You and can do Diablo 3 before Bioshock. <laughs> before Bioshock. 
after Dragon's Crown Pro, at least we started playing Dragon's Crown Pro like together a little bit. Yes. That's the most important part. Yes. So we've got some we've got some dungeons to do, man. Yeah, we do. We could I feel like we could probably knock out Dragon's Crown Pro. Probably. If we tried once a week, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Knock it out. Play some it take it takes two. Oh yeah, we gotta play it takes two as well. Yeah. We gotta do that. I haven't even played that game yet. I well, downloaded it. I haven't even touched well, it. Well, you need two people to play it, so that's right. what makes the most exactly. sense. Exactly. It'll be fun. I'm going to try and talk the wife into it. Yeah. I think hey, that's a good play, idea. Let's play It Takes Two. Just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. She'll, she'll be fine. She'll probably be like, this is awesome. Sometimes for me in convincing the, the wife person to play a game, if they're not a gamer, sometimes you got to hit the go button and you have to put the controller in their hand. Yeah. And say, this is, I'm sorry, but this is, this is happening right now. <laughs> like I'm doing this because I need you to know that this is, I wouldn't do this if I didn't know you were going to like it and enjoy it. Right. So we do that. So that. it's a lot easier to convince them with a new console too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the only it's time, shiny. the only time I can get the wife to play a video game is if it's the original Super Mario Brothers or Galia. Oh. That's it. <clears throat> That's all she wants to play. She's not down to play anything else. And I'm like, you realize that there's other games. And she's yeah. like, no, Galia's it for me. Okay. Okay. To the point where I will, like, if we're at Dave and Buster's or something, I will just swipe into Galaga and be like, go. Easy enough. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. Go. Well, if we play it online, she will she might see some of the gameplay and go, damn. Maybe. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Excitement Incorporated, episode 58. I'm Daniel. I'm Rich. If you want to head over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash excitement and give us a couple bucks. Give us a couple more. Be an elitist. Like Rich desperately wants you to know, he goes chewing on the mic again. Uh, I'm a mic chewer. He was. I mean, we fed you before the podcast, and you're hungry again. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Ah, uh, but you know, chewing the mic—it's so soft, and it's all. I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Filthy mud blood. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs>
So thank you, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. But not as to much a as more, Taylor. but lesser extent. He literally donates more. Yes, but he's not on the but big he, shot. He didn't go. He didn't go side. big shot. He, he didn't, didn't go, go big shot, shot on that. That's so. the big deal about that. Is this. that is the big honking not, deal? Listen, Adam. It's not that we don't appreciate you. It's that you're not as good as Taylor. Yeah. So if you want to hear your name in these shout outs, go ahead and go to our Patreon. And uh, yeah. Patreon.com slash Excitement Inc. There you go. 